Forgotten Flicks, episode 52, Zone Troopers, 1985. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Forgotten Flicks Podcast. I am Joel, and joined, as always, by the Tim Thomerson Alicious, Jason. <laughs> and don't forget, Undestructible, uh, Can't Be Killed, Iron Sarge. Iron Sarge. That's right. Yes, Siri Bobby. Tonight, <laughs> today, this morning, whenever the hell you're listening to us, we are doing Zone Troopers. This is a classic from Empire Pictures, produced by the great Charles Band. He, who eventually would bring you Full Moon, and it's litany of awesome. Uh, he also, of course, put out Trancers, that also featured Tim Thomerson. We did that uh, in an earlier episode, which the number is escaping me. Daryl Taylor was on with us, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, do you remember what number it was? Yeah, I'll find out. The 30s? It was somewhere in the 30s. Go back and look at uh, it. Yeah. Look at the website. Yeah, check the website out. And actually, before we get rolling too much, and I'm not going to make it a regular practice to pimp the site at the beginning of the show, nor for what I'm about to pimp it for, but I will say that (laughs) recently we added a store. It's an affiliate store with Amazon, but uh, we set it up with different categories with movies that we recommend, all 80s-based stuff. We categorize them by genre. So rather than you just kind of willy-nilly having to go through all of Amazon, if you want to go there, check it out. We also have our movie, um, that movies that we featured, and we're doing year one is up there, and year two we're actually doing it month by month. And I'm going to put, whenever we announce the upcoming episodes, we're also going to have in the store all the movies available. If you don't own them already, you can go ahead and buy them through there. And, of course, by doing that, you'd be supporting the site and the podcast because it's an affiliate site. And you can keep up with what we're going to be watching in case you live in a place that doesn't have Netflix or uh, you don't subscribe to Netflix or any other movie service. This allows you to purchase the movies before and keep up with the show. Yes, indeed. And also uh, we added a donate button uh, because we're not above begging. So, (laughs) and, you know, we we could always, uh, you know, use use a few bones to... Help support the podcast and two dollars. Want your two dollars? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a drive. Call two dollars. Two dollars. We'll be lucky to make that. So only if you get on a BMX bike and go riding down oh, a snowbank. Totally, you know, I do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Actually, no. I want to be. I want to be uh, the, the booger character, the best friend, Curtis Armstrong. The you know, you know, when he's standing on the on the mountaintop and he's snor- he snorts the snow. Do you realize <laughs> yeah. what you're standing on? <laughs> The street value of this mountain? <laughs> I can't wait till we do Better Off Dead. I know Kevin, oh. I know Kevin Batchelder can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be coming later. One. Much later, unfortunately, <laughs> but it's coming later. So, yes, oh. tonight, today, tonight, you know, screw it. We're doing it in the nighttime. This is when we do it. So, tonight, we are talking about Zone Troopers. Mm-hmm. And this was a movie that was produced, as I said, by Charles Band, starring Tip Thomerson. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, <clears throat> play the trailer, Jason. But, I think we should just, just yeah, let's just jump right into, I want to hear the trailer. Okay. I'm going to go the, play the, the theatrical trailer that yeah, we're playing. That, that, that's about a minute and a half-ish long. That All one? Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Get ready. Here it goes. Zone Troopers. 
It takes war to another dimension. Okay. So here's the deal, folks. <laughs> you only heard maybe 10 seconds of that. Jason and I have sat through the whole thing, which is a minute and a half plus, and you hear nothing but music until the area and where he goes, and you heard it. Zone Troopers. And whatever the rest of you. Ta- they take war to another dimension. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this we, Last Dragon, unfortunately, had he- held the record for trailer that was the least useful for a po- an audio podcast. Yeah, trailer that it, uh, worst conversion to audio. There you go. Yeah. Um, Zone Troopers now is the, the winner. Although oh, yes. I guess it's debatable from the perspective of the Last Dragon trailer was longer but it at least had a few uh, moments a few sounds and yes. a few yeah like a few lines um this this trailer uh actually uh, there's just two other things that i think it does very horribly wrong and but i don't want to give away anything yet so okay. i'll talk about it and i I, pro- I put it in my notes so i won't forget it but i, I want to talk about the trailer a little bit as we get into talking about the movie. so Okay, well, and, of course, <laughs> since we are going to uh, begin talking about the movie, Jason, with your um, always wonderful synopsis, why don't we go ahead and start things off with a, um, a little spoiler alert. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. And how do you know Jay hasn't seen the movie that we're talking about? (laughs) That's how. Well, and um, he didn't walk across the redneck front porch. Oh, I know. And and I will will have to say, I will have to say, while I love virtually all of his customized, you know, for the movie, (laughs) spoiler alerts, that particular one was lacking something, and it was definitely lacking the spoiler alert. Spoiler. You, know, you, you got to get more nasally. You got to get more Nat Nerd and Garbage Pail Kids, honestly. So you got to press the tongue into the back of the throat. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert, please. And you got to. Uh, yeah, he had more like. Uh, uh, yeah. You were a director, weren't? You? Huh? What? You were a director, weren't you? I like to think so, in my own mind. <laughs> yes, so, of course, we are talking Zone Troopers. So, Jason, uh, those that are new to the show, we go... Would you say it gets a little spoilery up in here? Um, I plan on spoiling the hell out of this one. Yes. Uh, sometimes yes. we back away from it. Sometimes we, yeah. we do go into spoilers, depending on what's going on. Because some movies, you know, it's... It matters. you got to talk about it the ending. Yeah. Some movies it matters, yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, others, you, you want the experience to be new. And I know some people haven't seen this. It's relatively obscure. Um, it's not a... Yeah. A, so, um, but I am going to spoil the hell of this. So if you haven't seen it yet and spoilers bother you, go listen to another show. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, pause this, go watch it, whatever, and yeah. then uh, come back. Well, real and, quick, b- before you do the synopsis, Jason, yes. explain to me again, because right afterwards we're going to start talking about the movie. How does the crap sandwich go? Is it crap slice of bread crap no it's well it depends because if the crap's been sitting out in the sun it's nice and crusty but if, if it's, it's been sitting out in the italian fresh, countryside and it's bread crap okay. bread okay but an italian oh, see there it is if it's an italian crap sandwich then it's crap 
Oh, no, wait. An Italian crab sandwich has got to have seafood in it somewhere. It's really? got to be sunk down at the bottom of the ocean somehow. Okay. You know? There's no. got to be some peppercorns involved. Yeah. <laughs> I hate peppercorns. You ever, like, remember the, what's, what's the one uh, lunch meat that you bite into and get that peppercorn and you get it right in your, like, your molar? Oh, oh yeah. I like, hate so, that. So, I, God, it's awful. You get stuck in there and it burns like a son of a burger. You're like, oh. I hate that. So, Jason, the synopsis for Lone Troopers. Yes. Poop sandwich time. Yes. Um, no. <clears throat> so this is the <laughs> – I love um, – it's always telling. You know, we don't always – I don't always rely on um, IMDb alone. I usually don't rely on it alone as my source for any information. I, I do choose a couple other Wikipedia, that's, Box that's Office. That's smart, actually. Um, yeah, I try and cross-reference. But there are always things that are very telling about a movie. Um, one of them, you can always look at the main characters and look at their credits – and if it's if the crappy movie you're watching is one of their top four credits, that's an indicator. Um, if, <laughs> if there is very little description of the movie or synopsis, that's an indicator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if the credits, if the people in it have three credits of other movies, that's an indicator. Now, if one of those um, credits is transsexual drag queen in the movie theater. <laughs> When show enough is about to throw down with uh, Leroy Green, that's an oh, indicator. Oh, what the face! Except for except for in, in Last Dragon's Gate, that's actually a, a oh god compared to this, that movie's effing Citizen Kane. But we won't go into that. So, Jason, synopsis. Okay. Synopsis. So, the IMDb synopsis. I quote: In Italy during World War II, some American soldiers find an alien UFO. So, I've never seen this movie until I watched it. I went in kind of expecting, you know, I, I knew what to expect. Yeah. Uh, Tim Thomerson, Empire, yep. um, you know, Charles Band. So I didn't go in thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be a sci-fi feature. Okay, so basically the story is there's this band of guys in the World War II. Would you call them a band of brothers? They, they were kind of brotherly. Yeah, I would say they were close to brotherly. Uh -huh. um, and they were in, you know, uh, the countryside. They get pinned behind German lines and, you know, because they're, they're fighting and these, these – Nazis come charging at them, and they have to retreat, and they're way back into enemy territory. Quick question. Um, Quick question. Um, if yeah. they're in the Ital Italian countryside, we, we were at war with Italy, were we not? Yeah, but they were allied with the I, Nazis. I realize that. There I realize that. But, but that had Nazis, so. It, 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 within Italy, wouldn't the Italians have been fighting? Uh, yes, but theoretically, there could have been a front that was only Nazis. Uh, okay, okay. I mean, I can buy that. Okay. Um, uh -huh. So... So they get pinned down, and it's Tim Thomerson plays the Sarge, the Iron Sarge, as I referenced earlier. Um, he's got a band of guys with him that really, in, after the opening sequence, they're pretty much cut down, and they're almost all killed, except for young Joey, um, Mittens, how that comes from. But, but, uh, but honestly, his, he, that actor has the greatest name ever. Oh, yeah, Art Lefleur. Art Lefleur. It sounds like yeah. the Sawyer made-up name from Lost. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, and, and he plays Mittens, who's kind of the tough guy, you know, from back in the States. And, mm -hmm. um, and then they have a uh, reporter with them who had initially joined their, their troop to— Who's named Hap. No, he's Dolan. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He was Happen Trancers, the drunken baseball player. Oh, yes, yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's the same guy. It's, it's uh, Biff Maynard. So um, he, he plays Dolan, who's the reporter who came to do a story on Sarge and do some research. And so the four of them are the only ones left, and they are the ones that get trapped behind enemy lines. And here's the part where it gets really kind of dramatic, and, and uh, uh, they find an alien ship. 
Well, well, of course, to be fair, let's just go ahead. Let's kind of like let it drop off as a synopsis there, because ultimately yes. their compasses are acting wonky. They're stuck in the Italian countryside, completely cut off. They don't know where the hell they are. And they come across an SS camp that's com well, that seems to be abandoned. Then they come across the they, right. they, they go separate ways, kind of like two of them go down there. Two of them, you know, are, are kind of waiting or whatever or looking for the other two. And and they end up coming across this this crashed alien craft. Yeah. And, and the whole uh, uh, um, climax or the whole second half of the movie is really the Nazis want this craft and the, the contents. Yes. And so um, they basically they said several times, if the Nazis want it, then we have to get rid of it or destroy it because, you know, um, if it's a good thing to them, the best thing we can do is to, is to destroy it or keep it away from them. So that's really the action of the movie is when they are fighting with the Nazis and figuring out this alien thing. And then that's, that's yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. Let's start off. I'm going to start off on a positive note, and this could be the CND talking. When and did you see? When did you? Did you I, see? I have this never. Was... Actually, this is my first time seeing it. That really? This, yes, and much like uh, a little later on, one of our callers, he makes the point. It was Tom the fanboy. He makes the point that this is one of those movies he remembers seeing the video box of the store and never watched, and he would have loved this as a kid. Likewise. I remember the video box with the I yeah. want you, a bug-eyed alien pointing. And I, for some reason, I think probably because as I got a little older in my teenage years and, you know, knew enough about, like, Full Moon and Charles Band, I was a fan of Reanimator and, and, mm -hmm. and you know, which I was done under Empire. And, and you know, yeah. I, I definitely thought it was going to be more of this kind of hardcore horror kind of movie. And then I noticed, oh, it's PG. And for whatever reason, I just never saw it. I don't. Th I think even when I was younger, I didn't even realize Tim Thomerson was in it because obviously, yeah. you know, in the box it's an alien. It wasn't even him, right? So yeah, I never had seen it. So this was definitely my first time. But my C and D re references to Tim Thomerson himself because I will say this, and actually, yeah. pretty much everybody in the movie for the most part, I actually thought the casting in this movie was really good. I thought that Thomerson is the Sarge was perfect. Like that, if you want to do the sort of you know typical you know. Sergeant Rock kind of, you know, gruff, pissed off, World War II cantankerous Sarge. Mm -hmm. Tim Thomerson is who you cast. Uh, or someone of his ilk. A Tommy mm -hmm. Jones type. You know, somebody like that. Yes. And I, the guy played Arch Lefleur, played Mittens, the kind of yep. the, the roughneck, but he's kind of a big level teddy bear guy. Great. He even, he even had all the guys really had that 40s look to them. Uh, the actor who played Joey, which his name is skipping, I believe, already. Tim Van Patten. Yes. He yep. he uh, had that look that, you know, like kind of like the always had the kid from like the Bronx yeah, the, or whatever. The stereotypical young look, you know, young faced boy. Yes, and, of course. You know, that, who likes baseball and, you know. Yeah, yes, and sci fi yeah. in this case, which I think mm -hmm. that was another cool little clever thing to have him be this kind of sci fi fan. So it ties everything mm -hmm. in together. And. Even um, uh, oh, Biff Maynard, again, another actor with a fantastic name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dolan. Yeah. Yes. He he was great. I mean, I thought he, the whole, you know, intrepid reporter, you know, trying to get in the thick of it, all of that stuff. I actually really liked it. And I will say this. And it's funny because I believe it was Gail who made the point that the first, like, 45 minutes of this movie, she hated it, hated it. That was actually what I really liked. I liked the beginning of the movie because it felt, first off, it felt to me like what I think it was initially meant to be, which is a Twilight Zone episode. It felt like a low budget, like I could just imagine there being this 20-something minute Twilight Zone episode where you had these, you know, small group of a unit that were cut off, that, you know, they, all their guys had gotten killed and they're lost and their compasses <sighs> hey, are going hey, wonky. Uh, all right, all right. You're still, uh, you're blowing my wad here. Well, that was uh, my whoa, I'm not, I'm doing, uh, whoa, hold on. <laughs> This is not an explicit podcast. I'm not blowing anything. 
This, that was what I was going to say. This is this felt like it could have been an episode of Amazing Stories yes. or Twilight yes. Zone. Yes, or... that's another good one. See, I didn't take that away from you. I didn't even think Amazing Stories. But yes, yeah. yes. It, it, and, I, and it was funny. I was thinking at the beginning, and it, I was really engaged because it, it felt low budget, but in a good way. Like, it felt minimalist. I liked the fact that they used what they had. It. I never once questioned, is this the Italian countryside? When you saw the SS camp, I thought it worked. I mean, it didn't, I never had any point, like, in those moments where I was pulled out of the movie, like, oh, my God, is that like a cardboard set? I never had those moments. Even the spaceship, when they get to that point. I never really thought, oh, God, it looks horrible. I never felt that. But here's the thing, and I'll let, I'm just going to stop at this point. I know there's a problem when <laughs> about the halfway point in the movie and the action's really supposed to be kicking in, and I get so bored, like I so tune out that I'm like just checking email and I'm on my iPad like going through IMDb. You know, really, you're talking about going up the rabbit's hole. I'm like seeing how actors are connected <laughs> to actors connected to actors that are somehow, you know, connected to Richard Band, the composer of this movie. You know, I, I'm doing great. <laughs> and then I look up and I'm like, oh, there's an alien. <laughs> I, I, I literally... It was funny. The first, the part that Gail hated was the part I loved, and the part she loved, I hated. It was, it was like a such a. I'm like, I'll okay, let well, you talk now. I'll let let's you talk. stop there, yeah, because I want to stop at the alien. Because I too want to divide this movie into two halves. Yes. Okay, we have the very first half of the movie, which, mm -hmm. as you said, it's really just the war part. So it's the setup of the Sarge and his gang. Um, first setting them up as a unit, and you know what they're trying to do, and their stupid lieutenant who, um, you know. I swear. Okay, this is one of the worst. There, there were a lot of moments in the movie. Oh, this that is one guy. of the worst moments. Yes, I in the beginning. I wrote that down. They're all there, and they're supposed to be. I guess some of their unit had gone off to do something, and the lieutenant or whoever's in charge here, in uh, over the sergeant's head, um, says, "Here's something in in the woods. They're at the front. They are in the war." And he hears the hears something in the woods. And he goes, "Oh, that must be the guy's nail." And he just kind of goes running off by himself. Excuse me, in the woods. I'll be right back. <laughs> yes. No, no, but that wasn't even what I was going to mention, though. I lied. <laughs> there was great casting, except for that guy, because I swear he was so like, "Stay here, Sarge. I'll be right back." <laughs> and like, I was like, "What?" But then he goes walking off, and of course, as soon as he crests the hill, all the Nazis are there, and it's like, "Bam, bam, 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 bam," and he just dies. And they're like, "Oh, get the cover," and you know. Oh, and was um, it me or when the Nazis were firing on them at the beginning? Literally, like nothing was happening. Like you heard gunshot, but there was no muzzle flare. There was no smoke. It was like well, they just told the actors to yes. run across a field and we'll just add in sound yeah. effects later. We'll fix it in so, post. So as they are uh, kind of at this battlefront. Yes. Um, and, you know, and let me let me uh, start with this caveat. Um, I've never fought a battle. Um, Jason, you have five kids. I think we could no. argue that point. I've never fought a, a, a war or a battle that didn't involve using a mouse and animated characters on my screen. So, <laughs> um, so I don't know what real war is like. And frankly, I really don't want to know. But this first half of this movie is supposed to be them in war. And it's, I thought it was funny because at one point Dolan actually makes a comment as they're walking through the woods. Oh, this, these woods could be anywhere. This could be... I don't even forget what he said, like Indiana or something like that. Um, and I kind of felt like, yeah, okay, I can buy that this is somewhere in Europe because it was, you know, old woods. But the battle scenes were god-awful. Now, 
I'm going to start with the Nazi invasion. Like this, they're there, their troop is there, and suddenly this massive force of Nazis, which starts out with, let's all line up in a straight line and just start more. I mean, it was, it was. <laughs> well, that could also be because after years and years and years of watching war movies that are trying to make it as realistic as possible. Because I, I think this too. movie, I think but, I think this the, movie was meant to be more of a throwback to that kind of forty style of. Well, war but movie. even but even if it's not realistic in mind, I don't mean like guts and grime. They were supposed to be. I understand what they were trying to do with that with those scenes. It was supposed to be these guys get pushed back into enemy territory and they can't get back because they're cut off. But it was like four Nazis running across a field. <laughs> it was yeah. like well, no, four guys. Um, I have to correct you there. I think there was at least like seven. <laughs> Maybe eight, but it so never almost felt, a full dozen. Yeah, it never felt like it was a force of any kind. It didn't even feel warlike. It was almost like it was the El Mariachi Robert Rodriguez <laughs> school of shooting a war scene where you take the same like four guys and <laughs> yes. you reposition them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they may have done that because these guys had all the same uniforms on, but um, but which kind of makes whole, sense. <laughs> that whole first part of the movie, I didn't even that didn't even kill it for me. Like. That didn't even ruin it that it seemed kind of low budget because, again, this felt like like a Twilight Zone or Amazing Stories. And those it felt like made for TV. You accepted them for what they were. Yeah. What absolutely killed me about the first half of this movie, and I'm going to have to agree with Gail, I could not stand the first half of the movie, was the writing in this, the dialogue, was so freaking cliche. Oh, yeah, but I think, again, I'm gonna, I am I agree with that, and I wrote that down, but I think in much the same way that the way the war scenes played out pretty bloodless, and I think that was intentional. I think it was made, because it was so overdone. Okay, but there, no, but there is a point at which you do it so much, it's bad. I mean, I understand kind of throwback, but I, I that guy Joey, I mean, if he would have just said, jeepers, golly, or, I mean, that's what the whole... Yeah, that's real swell, Saj. I'm going to go yeah, over here, see? They didn't care it off. Like, if you did it more in, like, they didn't even get into the persona of that. It was almost like they were acting more contemporary, but they were saying lines from that time period. And it you wasn't even. You know what pisses me off, Jason? If Quentin Tarantino had made this movie, everybody like, oh, it was so brilliant. The way no. he, he, he had these characters no. acting. It was so, it was like anachronistic because they were so modern, <laughs> but yet they, oh, they used no. these, these, this language, this dialect from another time. <laughs> You know what this movie is? You know what this movie is? It's effing from dusk till dawn. It starts off as one thing, and it goes in a oh. whole different direction. I know I'm going to catch all kinds of beep for this. Now, but let now me just before... say, from dusk till dawn pissed me off for the same reason. And much like everybody else, I am completely opposite. I like the first half of from dusk till dawn better than the second half. And I would have liked them separately as separate movies, but I was like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, this was, you know what this was? You know what this was? This was The Wizard of Oz. Because one moment, oh, it's black jarred. and white and dusty, and it all feels real, and then all of a sudden they walk into Technicolor, and they they come across, you know, Nazi camp, we got to do something. And But see, I, and, liked, I liked that kind of part. I, where it lost me is when the when Mittens and the and Biff, because I don't remember, what was it, Dolan? Was that the... Dolan, okay. yeah, Dolan was the, yeah, the, the reporter guy. It lost me when they were being held, oh, spoiler alert, when they were being held by the Nazis, they'd gotten caught, because basically Dolan's a moron. <laughs> and and I swear to God, I just wouldn't blame Mittens if he just pulled out his, you know, grabbed a Nazi just shot Luger right and shot him. Yep. <laughs> and 
it, what really just got me is they're sitting there, and it turned into kind of like this low-budget, great escape-ish kind of thing. And yeah. you know, then they incorporated the alien, and the Nazis had him. But, of course, the alien's not bad. It just had this batteries-not-included, low-rent E.T. vibe. They just but annoyed the crap out of me. But here's the problem. At least in – and I do not want to get into E.T., but at least with E.T., you had the character – Alien did something. Oh, I love E.T. I'm not talking E.T. This movie... No, this movie could have been renamed Aliens That Don't Do Anything. Oh, it was so boring. Because, literally, at the middle of the movie, the war scenes kind of end, and they basically find this alien that has a fly face with these pincher things that just sits there. And then, later, they find these blue face aliens that really look kind of like a rip-off the original Star Trek aliens that kind of had the little, you know, antenna thing coming out of the white hair that had blue painted faces, you know. Um, I hope you got that and, wrong, and I hope there's some kind of Trek fan out there that's just going to annihilate you on Twitter. No, I definitely <laughs> remember seeing guys that looked very similar, like oh, had the Grooms, white straight uh, hair. Uh, and like... Flick Sidekick uh, seems to think that on Star Trek... <laughs> <laughs> um, but they even when they came, now we're gonna let, just Jason, Jason, can we just go up the Tribbles hole? Yeah, <laughs> let's go up the Tribble hole. Um, but no, I'm not done yet. Because then when they come across that spaceship, and you said, "Oh, I didn't think that's I didn't think that spaceship looked half from, bad," from, or you didn't from the outside pull you out. I know from the outside it really did. Like when it was, when they were outside of the ship, I didn't think no, could, it was the outside was awful. It looked like a plywood. Oh, you're full of crap. Uh, now you're just being straight. now you're just being ugly. No, no, now you're just I'm being not. nasty. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you did not, dude. You know I am the first person that will say when something pulls me out of a movie because it just didn't work. It, I I just say for me. Okay, let me rephrase this. For me, I didn't think for a low, hyper low budget movie like it was. I was impressed that it didn't look crappy, crappy. You were impressed it didn't look worse. Yeah, well, I guess I, I just I bought it. Now, I mean, the inside I, I actually thought didn't look too bad because the inside was more. I don't know. It, it, the inside seemed to work better, and then when they found the, like the dead pilot that was in the front of the ship, and yeah. it, it was that alien actually looked pretty decent, and um, that wasn't too bad. And so that the outside just looked it looked like really like they had raided uh, a, the set from one of the original um, Flash Gordon TV. Yeah, but shows, uh, but again, you know? but they did it did it did have that vibe to it. But I guess it was because of the scale. Maybe I should say it this way: the scale of it. Impressed me the fact that it, oh, it was big. It wasn't yeah, like some true. matte painting. No, when they got up they to it, it was a climb big, on it. Yes, yeah. yes, that's that, what I'm yeah, saying. That was impressive, and for the budget of the film, especially. I mean, it, oh, you it, were talking about Flash Gordon. Wait, do we get to the end? Yeah. <laughs> so, so then the whole part of the aliens are just they don't do anything, and like I got a couple beefs here. I got my notes. Can I ask you some questions? Oh, please do. Okay, so the first time that anybody sees the alien at all is Joey. They are they're holed up in this barn with, with straw everywhere, and um, they are taking turns going out on watch. And, and it's Joey's turn, and he goes out, and he sees, like, the alien. Like, corner of his eye sees an alien, and mm -hmm. it's this, the same alien they meet later, which is this fly-face-looking thing with and these And he offers plums. him a Reese's Pieces. <laughs> that would have actually been better. <laughs> and then kind of loses sight, and then he goes out looking, and he sees this, like, egg. And I'm thinking... Ooh, the thing laid an egg. Oh, it's protecting its egg or something. Yeah. It's going to rip his face off. What was the egg? I, I have no idea. It transforms into an egg in like five seconds flat? Because it does that later, and they're like, oh, it, it sleeps inside an egg. That, what? that. Where or the hell did that Or come maybe from? Joey scared it so bad <laughs> that rather than turning its fruit of the looms into a Hershey factory, it turns them into an 
egg hut. Oh, it's a Bakugan. That's what it is. You know, the little toys that they, they fold out and then into no a... I have no idea what the hell that is. You don't have... Yeah, well, your boys aren't on it. But they're they... these, you know, Bakugan are these little, like, they kind of like Transformers in that they transform out into this robot or okay. creature or animal, but they transform down into this little ball. That, well, and that's what they were. So that, what you're telling me is the Bakugan ripped this off. Yes, probably. Um, and so several points in the movie, everybody kind of turns away and they look back. Oh, it's an egg, you know? Um... And, you know what's sad? Wait, 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 you ready for this? This is how bad I zoned out on this movie, no pun intended. I zoned out on this movie so bad, I actually that. didn't remember that that happened more than that one time. <laughs> it happens once when the Nazis catch it and put it in the cage. And, uh, so it's then basically it a porcupine. Yes. Or, or and then when no, they're it's, camping a in the it's a roly-poly. You remember when they're camping in the cave? Yeah. Okay, that's where my second question comes in. So they're camping in the cave, and the thing just sits there like it's catatonic. Yep. Oh, it's, it, to... Hey, 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 Mittens, you think it's sleeping? <laughs> That's swell. And they try and give it something to eat. Like, they're, they're, they're trying to make it sniff their, their, their rations, you, you know. Really know and... how, okay, just real quick rabbit hole moment. But it's, yeah. it, is, it, it does make sense within the context of the scene. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be funnier if, like, they kept trying to get, like, it kept escalating with them trying to get its goat, and then, like, Joey kind of, like, kind of gets up real quiet and keeps up to it and turns his, turns his ass to its face and... <laughs> Just a little bit. And he, he runs real quick and sits back down. And he's like snickering. What do you think, Mittens? You think he, and he kind of, Mittens goes, hold on. Mittens gets up, sneaks up, turns back. <laughs> blows the thing back. See, that would have been an awesome movie. I would that have, actually would have cranked this movie up for me. I think that would have been pretty awesome. <laughs> um, but then and then they try and feed it and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't react to anything. And then, of course, at one moment he pulls out a cigarette. <laughs> And uh, a lucky strike, and the thing's like, oh, mm, and it eats it. Because <laughs> somehow... <laughs> Those things eat tobacco. Tobacco. Um, yeah, so that's the first <gasps> time... It was a Philip Morris agent. <laughs> yeah, no. So then the thing gets up, and they're, um, it gives them a gift. And the gift is this hologram thing, and you know Joey picks up the hologram thing, and it projects this hot you know, pin-up girl and uh, he goes over and starts kissing it and as soon as mittens picks up the hologram thing it the girl disappears and they start arguing well at that point they turn back and the alien has picked up their rifle yeah and points it at them now, how awesome would have been if he had shot them both if i you... was expecting something like well, that. that would have been awesome you wouldn't have seen it yes. coming no because then they they say it, it, it starts like shaking the gun and they're like no no it's trying to tell us something what you got guns what what's go- what the hell was that about what what was it trying to tell them? I, it was pointing I, the gun and like holding it like I, guns, guns. I would assume, based on the ending of the movie, that it was trying to indicate to them that it had a weapon that could help them stop the Nazis. I'm I'm literally pulling that out of my ass wow. though. <laughs> I mean that's a, a stretch. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, because then the rest of the time the alien doesn't do much, and of course. Uh, at the towards the end they really get pinned down by the Nazis. They're gonna be killed. The little fly aliens' friends finally show up, and they're the blue face, you know, the white hair kind of people. And they're one Peter right a, now during the winter when he's on his porch. <laughs> it puts a translator in its ear, and it's listening to them, but it doesn't talk. And then they keep trying to convince it, "You got to help us! You got to help us!" It just doesn't talk. And then at one point, the only line they have is like, "We will not help you kill your own kind." Wow. And that was it. Again, I, I have to reiterate, and I'm actually using that word correctly because I 
iterated it once, and I'm reiterating. You did iterate it. Now you're reiterating it. I don't remember that line. <laughs> you don't remember that? <laughs> I literally, I think. And I stand. What's the opposite I, of C and D to the point where you actually black stuff? Like traumatic. We we'll have to have tra- cinematic D-G-A-F. traumatic. Dis- no, it's DGAF. Don't give a. F- oh, good point. <laughs> Good. There it is. Yeah, this I, movie I, committed the ultimate sin. My, actually, I take it back. This is the second sin. The first sin is when you get too preachy. But now I take it back. That's not the first sin because at least that pisses me off and gives me like something to get really jacked up about. You at least annoyed. have some passion for it. Yeah. 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 This movie was boring. Yeah. No, there, I, and I, and I gotta correct myself. Been. There was there was actually two lines that Alien said because that was one of them. And another one, Joey was asking like this was before that. Joey was asking like, Hey, do you got any? You guys have girls or you have any girl aliens? And they point to the fly thing, and they're like, Zundar is a female. <laughs> oh, now that okay, I do remember that. Which, but I don't know what that says about me as a person, but I remember that part. So would you kiss the fly lady? <clears throat> uh, not so much. And, and with uh, all those eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so then, of course, the, the army people decide, ah, we're going to fight to the death, and uh, the last minutes come, it swoops in as the alien, and she, we know as a she now, comes in, with alien laser guns. But, yeah, but what, was, what the hell was up with that, like, helmet thing that the other ones were wearing? Oh, yeah, like some kind of like, breathing apparatus. It looked looking... like some kind of trash can, like a bathroom trash can on their head. <laughs> now, again, I guess, again, I will add the caveat that I believe that some of that was intentional, I and mean, they figured they're making a low-budget movie. They were obviously all fans of those kind of, like, Flash, Gold, yeah, World War II yeah, serial kind of shows. 40s-ish yeah. sort of a space helmet type things. Yes, yes, it did. It did. Same with the spaceship. I think it all had that vibe to it. But then they show up. Uh, of course, she, I guess, at some point convinces her alien friends that they need to help uh, the humans, and they come in with these satellite dishes, oh, I guess. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Which has uh, probably, even for a low-budget film, some of the worst, like, laser beam effects or shooting effects Yep, I have ever, ever... And let me just say this, too. John Carl Beekler did the makeup effects on this, and I'm a, I love, I'm, I've said it before, I love practical effects, and I love, mm-hmm. I love the effects masters from the 80s. And Beekler's one of those guys that I think is one of the unsung heroes. He did the original Troll. He did Ghoulies. Uh, Lots of movies. He's been a director. He's right. He did uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Seven. Mm-hmm. So I actually think like the bug effect, the alien itself. I mean, all the character motivation yeah. and lack thereof aside, I think those types of effects were great. So oh, yeah. and of course he did one of our favorites, Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah. <laughs> Can't yes. leave that one out. <clears throat> but but yes, the visual effect that that laser thing, just the whole concept of it, it was I, I, okay. And I want to make sure everyone understands around this. When I say it's boring, I don't mean that in the sense of oh, I can't take a movie and this crap is blowing up every third frame. That's not what I mean by boring. First of all, I actually find that boring. What I mean is I want to be engaged, whether it's intellectually, cerebrally, or emotionally. Yeah, this movie didn't do that for me, except for in the on any I, of those three levels. Well, and, and that's why I did like the beginning a little bit because there was at least a mystery component where what's going on, why are their compasses like? I mean, I could put two and two together and figure out why, but then the SS camp being abandoned, it's like I felt like okay, we're kind of have we had the potential here for a kind of um, it actually reminded me a little bit of Carpenter's The Thing because obviously replace the SS camp being abandoned with the Norwegian camp where. They've been decimated, and then going through abandoned. 
No, it turned out, out that no, no, no. That's what, yeah, after after they <laughs> after they showed up, I was that's where I pretty much checked out because I didn't care anymore. I was like, yeah. oh, here we go. All right, whatever. But yeah, but yeah, they at least were setting it up, and that's where one of my two beefs with the trailer comes in, um, because I hadn't seen this movie and I watched the trailer. Because I like kind of doing that before going to the movie. Because that's is this where the first at, movie we've ever done where neither of us had seen it. I think this may uh, be the first one. Because yes, I think this might be. Um, hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. God flicks first, ladies and gentlemen. As a feature movie, yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, oh yeah, yeah. For the movie, the movie. Have you ever picked. seen Leviathan? Yeah, I had it at the theater. You saw, actually, you saw both of but those. But see, you, you, well, you had seen Deep Star Six, and I hadn't. Okay, yeah, that was Deep Star. Yeah, but I've seen it. Yeah, so this is the first one we both have seen. So, so I wanted to prep, but I didn't want to read too much about it. So I saw the trailer because I figured that's what a moviegoer, their first foray into the movie would be. Oh, I saw this trailer for this movie coming up. So I saw that, and the trailer is that music. It's very tense. It's almost. I mean, it's not to that same level of excellence, but it's almost like Alien music. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's very tense, and the the scenes they show in the trailer are very. Like, this is going to be almost like a horror movie. It's going to be uh, – there's there's almost like the thing. You know, there's there's this dead alien. They show that. They show a real fast clip of Fly Lady's face. And Fly, so lady. They, <laughs> Fly Lady. Yeah. With all them eyes, to her, I'd have 5,000 penises. <laughs> yeah, but that right. mouth? No. Oh, ouch. No. No. Um, so it sets it up like it's going to be this dramatic, kind of scary, kind of the thing type. It is nothing like that. That's so the problem. Me, if it had gone more that direction, I think even if it had been cheeseball over the top yes. with it, I would have liked it a lot better and appreciated it on that level versus what we got, which was we're going to start off kind of, you know, maybe somewhat mysterious and we might go there. Oh, just kidding. This is actually just a bunch of lovable, misunderstood aliens and we've got to help. Yes. And when I say um, batteries not included, it's nothing like that movie. I meant tonally. <laughs> like that just sappy, obnoxious, you yeah. know. Uh, and I like sentimental folks, but good God, there is a line where the syrup is so thick, you, your, your type 2 diabetes <laughs> starts kicking in. And, <laughs> and, and I remember reading some uh, – I read only one description, like a brief synopsis, and it said something like a, a band of, of soldiers in World War II finds out there's an alien in their group. Uh-huh. So knowing nothing about this movie, I was watching it, and then – and now tell me – think about it from this perspective. Oh, no, right? I know where you're going with this, and I agree with you. Okay, tell me. That Iron Sarge was going to be an alien. Yes! Yeah, because you, they because, kept setting it up that there was something weird about him. Yes, like they actually show him at one point getting shot point blank by this Nazi that puts his hand – You know, yeah, he lifts and up, they didn't even dying. explain that. Oh, he taps it on and he goes, government issue. I'm like, dude, he didn't shoot you in the head. He shot you like in no, the chest. No, he shot you in the back and yeah, the, the back, chest. Yeah, yeah. And, and and he just gets up like no wound, and he goes down. I mean, like they shoot him, and he goes down. And then and later then, on, course, again, major spoiler alert at the end, he like throws a grenade, and he's like two feet away from the guy, or tucks it in the in the Nazi's vest or whatever. Yeah, and, and blows, it blows up. up. Yeah, and he's dead. I mean, for all intents and purposes, or all what did you, what did you say it was all intensive, or how do we say this? One? <laughs> all intensive porpoises. All intensive porpoises. That was it. Intensive porpoises. <laughs> and. Yeah, and he, the the climax of the movie, the very end, is he stuffs a, a grenade into the the I guess the SS uh, lieutenant or sergeant or whatever um, in his jacket and is right there, and they all mourn his death basically. And he, at the very end, as they've all won and the aliens have gone back home and they're walking down the road and it's like, well, time to head back to our unit. There he is standing in the road, like in the dark, yeah, with only his silhouette. Yeah. And then he kind of stands out, and he's like, yep, 
I'm fine. Let's well, get going. And the, and the real problem, <laughs> the real problem with that is, if it had been set up better, they could have left that be a question throughout, and then even left it kind of hanging there at the end, and done a true. Because I think obviously it's called Zone Troopers. It, there's obviously all these references to sci-fi. Uh, you mentioned the music. Richard Band, who did the music, is Charles Band's brother, and they're both yeah. the son of our band, who is this prolific producer and director. Yeah. And he did the music for Reanimator and many other uh, tons of the full moon oh, yeah. features. Yeah, yeah. And if you listen, he's like with Reanimator. There's a lot of Bernard Herman's like psycho score within it. In yeah. this, if you really listen to it, I swear to God, there's several moments where I went, "Okay, why is that so familiar?" Tell me if this does not immediately make you think. I know exactly what you're gonna say. Wait, hold on. Let's see. I got it queued up. I, I know exactly. Ready? Hold on. Let's see if you can get it. Yep. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> Why does that sound? I was like, holy crap, Dude, it's the Imperial things, March. Like, every time they showed Nazis going somewhere, they would he, that music would play. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're playing John Williams. And That's... there was a couple of, of Twilight Zone cues. Like, if you listen very closely, yeah, it had yes, that like little blips. Yeah, a yeah. little bit of it. But that, this, the, yeah, the Star Wars one was unmistakable. And, and in they case did you it, were like, wondering why, why, why Sopa and Pippa suck, we would be shut down right now. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. We're doing that. Yeah, so so that was you know that was another thing. But you, you brought up a point where it's called Zone Troopers. The VHS tape cover says, you know, uh, you, you'd said we want you, but it even has the same line from the trailer that says they take war to another dimension. Yeah, yeah maybe if it's a dimension of crap, but they don't do anything. Like the aliens don't get involved in the war. There's they're yeah. not troopers, and these guys, the 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 army guys, don't really fight anything. It was here's the key. This, this movie is a primo example for all you fledgling screenwriters out there for how not to write a story. That if if you start yeah. from character, your plot can grow organically. Even if it, this whole concept of that's not original. Well, all stories have been told, okay. But where it makes uh, it original is if it comes out of character. A good example of this, and one that I'm sure some people might find quote unquote boring in the more traditional sense of that. But I loved it. I my dad and I just went and saw a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is the new. Uh, yeah, yeah. Picture. It, I loved it. It was, but yeah. it's a very, you got to go in knowing it's very cerebral. It is it's not, a character piece. yeah, it, it's very um, methodical and it's sort of like almost a, a spy procedural. I mean, I, I imagine that's exactly what it would be like to be a spy yeah. during the Cold War. It, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, great movie. And it's very, you know, methodical, mm. takes its time, but it's brilliantly written. And the characters, the plot, the story, and it, it's all, I mean, how many spy movies have you seen, right? But it feels new. It feels fresh the way that the directions it goes. You don't really see it coming. But that's because the story really does come out of the character. This is a movie where somebody had a kind of a high concept idea and said, okay, I want to work these plot elements in. And they sort of Let's forced, do aliens yeah. with World War II setting. But with an E.T. kind of vibe because the kids like that. And, you know, and, and, and they kind of tried to make it a kid movie because it's only PG. And they worked all that together. And, and I look, I have a lot of respect entrepreneurially for Charles Band. I think the guy built some, you know, an amazing business. But yeah. the only problem is that it kind of comes through on movies like this one. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, I guess yeah. there are people, people arguing, yeah, as opposed to the great art that was Puppet Master or <laughs> Eliminators, yeah. which yeah. I would like to point out that Eliminators and Trancers were both written by the guy who directed this, Danny Bilson. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, Eliminators is cheese ball, but it's fun cheese ball. And, of well, course, I love Trancers, so. 
And, and let's point out something. Let's be clear here on something because sometimes it gets muddy when we start talking about movies that are bad or good because I don't think it's ever that simple. And we have no taste. Well, that too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because we talk about movies that are, you know, cheesy, low budget that we love. I mean, let's talk like The Last Dragon, for example. I mean, that was not a Academy Award winning, brilliantly written, moving <gasps> picture. Ooh, he said it. Um, that would be Jason at ForgottenFlix.com, uh, also known as Flix Sidekick on Twitter. <laughs> but, it, but it was entertaining. It was very entertaining, yes. So there's a difference between um, – it's it doesn't have to be highbrow and intelligent and, and brilliantly written and, and brilliantly shot um, with, with brilliant music and lighting and everything to be entertaining. No, absolutely but not. But this movie just – wasn't entertaining. Yeah. So when you get into some really cheesy ones, even like Reanimator or, um, uh, uh, oh gosh, what was the other one that um, Band did that was? Oh yeah, I mean, like, oh, is that a full moon? Like puppet? Well, yeah, yeah. Prior to Reanimator, yeah, Puppet Masters. You had, um, I mean, he had a crap ton like the Creeps and uh, was it? Oh crap! What's the one with uh, Martha Quinn? Uh, the VJ. Oh, uh, bad channels. I mean, subspecies yeah. are all coming in. Um, yeah. You know, all so, those kinds I mean, of things. So that kind of stuff, I mean, those at least have an entertainment factor yeah. to them. So if, you know, to, you can't compare Zone Troopers with Reanimator or with Puppet Master. Well, probably more Puppet Master. But, and say, oh, but they're both crap. No, no Puppet, Master, Puppet Master has those really cool, and Doll Man. Can't forget Doll Man. And, uh, yes, and Doll, yes, and Doll Man and, and uh, you Master know, so. Things like that. So it's 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 not as simple as we're just saying this is a bad movie because it's got that kind of. Yeah, and I hope that we we always try to be fair. I mean, like we even found some good, I think, in this one. Yeah, the elements I, we I liked. Agree. I don't. I, I yeah, because I don't want to be the type of you know podcasters that all we do is spend the entire episode just trashing a movie for the. Oh, not no, at no. all. For the love of God, even garbage pale kids. I think we managed to find a few <laughs> corn nuggets in that turd. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and it took us a while to pinch it off. I oh, will say my so. God. <laughs> I was constipated. <laughs> but to be, and we've said this a lot. Also, is that uh, you know we recognize the kind of work that goes into creating any movie, yes. and I have never made a movie, and I recognize that these people have done more than me. And you, even having made a movie, even more so, have the appreciation for how much it takes to do it. So, well, yeah, but you, just, just just the projects you've been involved with in other areas of your life that shall remain, you know. Private, of course. Well, yeah, I do in something I, dirty. I've done training. I've done training <laughs> yeah, movies. But how and much work was that? You know, it's, you... it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm not selling short the, the effort that went into this. Especially, you know, we talk about the cast. I, I think some of the cast members are really great. I love Tim Thomerson. Oh, yeah. um, I like Art Lafleur. He's a great character actor in this. You know, and so um, I'm not saying this is a horrible movie. I'm just saying it was. It just didn't do it for me. It was kind of boring. It was kind of slow and. Um, was not the best written. Well, Jason, I gave it up to best. To I, I blame the writing. Yeah, I, I think that's that was my worst. I definitely yeah. think that's probably the the key area, the flaw in, in this particular picture. And on that note, Jason, I say we go right into our movie picks. Oh, please. <laughs> mascot <laughs> go bulldogs ah so man this was a kind of a tough uh a tough pick for me okay. I, um 
because what I wanted to try and do is go a little deeper into the cast because, uh, you know, I try not to go with the obvious of like a director or uh, the main character. I try I want to try and oh, pick you, something. Are you a trying little to imply something that, that one, one of the two of us does that, Jason? No, no. I just try and kind of pick something because I think it gives kind of a cool twist to the obscure, you know, find a connection sort of, you know, like the connection game. But uh, literally past the main characters, a lot of the people in this didn't have a whole lot of other uh, uh, credits. Yeah, I mean, really? were, even the lieutenant, um, you know, <laughs> they had some, <laughs> had some um, okay. you know, and. They had some movies I could talk about that we, you know, we've mentioned before, and maybe even some that we might be covering coming up. Um, but uh, nothing that tickled my fancy. How's that? How about um, none that tickled your taint? <laughs> yes. How about that? Um, <clears throat> but I did go with a little bit of low, hang- low hanging fruit, and you, you did kind of give give my uh, thunder away slightly. Um, I went with Richard Band. So my connection is the the guy who did the music. Okay, cool. I'm um, a fan of the it. guy who remixed the Empire Strikes Back music or the Imperial March. Yeah, he you know, did it well because it was, was yeah. hidden just enough where obviously Lucas didn't sue his ass. <laughs> so <laughs> not yet. Oh yeah. Oopsie. Sorry. Yeah. This Sorry, will be Richard. It. Yeah. Yeah. This will be the thing that does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Richard Richard Band, as you mentioned, is the brother of Charles, and he actually did a lot of the music of his uh, original movies or some of his more popular movies. Um, in the time, but he's done music for a lot of movies. He has a lot of credits, um, but all are in that same vein, or at least in that you know close mm-hmm. to that. Um, so I actually went with one of the bigger ones, and actually my favorite. Stop it, damn it! No, sorry, that was my mistake. Actually, it was not intentional. <laughs> Which was uh, not a Charles Band, but was Richard Band. I went with Troll. Nice. I went with Troll, 1986. Now. Um, I did that for a couple of reasons. One, I just like the movie. It's really a um, a fun romp. But I did it because I felt like that this is what Zone Troopers could have been. It had the same kind of low-budget feel. Yep. It had the same small setting. You know, it didn't have to be epic. It had Sonny um, Bono and uh, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, for love of God. Yes. Okay. Yes, it did. Um, so... It, it had the same potential – Zone Troopers had potential to kind of become this. Um, and this is another Empire film, so, you know, in the same uh, vein. But this one ex- just executed it so much better, and it was non-apologetic for what it did. And, um, you know, I always like pointing this out, especially to people who are, you know, big fans of this movement now. But, yeah, this was the first movie with Harry Potter in it. Thank you very much. So um, – <laughs> Harry Potter is the main character. It's the kid, the boy who's yeah, in so this. Yeah, so we know what double feature. Let's. Oh, 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 wait a minute. What year did Labyrinth come out, Jason? Oh, uh, was that eighty five? Uh, eighty six, my 86? friend. Eighty six, and <gasps> I believe. Uh, what what did she refer to Hogwarts? Hogwarts. Because he called because his name. Oh, I, I need to get a. I need to get some kind of like sound effect that'd be conspiracy alert. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. Conspiracy alert! Conspiracy alert! I'm not <laughs> saying that a certain author that's a gajillionaire may have watched a double feature of labyrinth labyrinth followed by the b picture troll i'm not saying that her local drive-in was playing that in 1986 i'm not even saying that those two movies came out at the same time of that year though it does make me want to look now i'm just saying it's suspicious i i think it is because the main character is harry potter jr 
And his dad, played by Michael Moriarty, who I absolutely love from oh, yeah, uh, Law and Order. Yeah. He, he plays in Law and Order. He's a um, uh, district attorney. Oh, he has yes. a lot of Larry Cohen movies like uh, The Stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, um, he uh, plays the dad who is, yeah. who is Harry Potter Sr. So, oh, and then um, the part where that snake face dude kills him and puts a, a lightning bolt scar. Wait. <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, this is the first Harry Potter movie. But this is, if you haven't seen it, this, obviously it's a, it's a John Carbuckler directed and uh, it's a good one. And he did Not, the effects. Uh, yes. And I love the effects in this. Like the Sonny yeah, Bono scene where he gets, you know, the troll stings him with his little magic ring and his arm starts to blow up with the little air bladder underneath the fake skin that makes it kind of start to boil. Yeah. And then he turns in it. Yeah, so that – I just I thought just the think, troll effect itself was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, which it, it, the whole thing was good. But I felt like this was – this executed what Zone Troopers was trying to do. Yeah, um, that's right. You know, obviously not the same story, but just from the feel of it to what – you know, it, 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 this was more much more entertaining. Yeah. Um, but it had the – so Richard Brand still did the music for this. And I'm going to have to watch Troll again and see if there's, you know, maybe a uh, the music from – Star Wars, the Shining, or something. Some other. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Good so. pick, man. Good pick. Well, mine will be short and sweet, but it's from 1979, and it's Tourist Trap. And I picked it primarily because it has Tanya Roberts in it. Um, but actually, no, seriously, <laughs> I, I picked it because Charles Band produced it as well. His father, Albert Band, had a very small, uncredited part in it, and it is. A one of the few sort of ultra culty horror flicks that I haven't seen or at least seen pieces of other than the trailer. Ooh. And I do believe later on this year, hypothetically, it might be on the schedule. Maybe. Uh, yes. It also starred Chuck Connors, uh, who was, I believe, in the Rifleman TV show. He was also in a show that I've talked to you about before, Jason. I don't know that I've mentioned it too much on the podcast called Werewolf. It came out in around 87, 88. It was on Fox, the the network, be, early on, like around the same time that it first started with Married with Children and all those yeah. type of shows. And I loved it. It was very basically the Incredible Hulk TV show, but with a werewolf. And uh, Rick Baker helped design the werewolf, and it's one of, to this day, I think hands down, one of the best-looking practical effects werewolves ever. Uh, uh, but it was the same idea. Like, he would turn into the wolf, and they'd have to chain him up every episode and, uh, you know, you to save the girl, that kind of thing. And yep. But Chuck Connors was in that, and he played sort of the, I guess, grand poobah werewolf that, you know, was behind the whole cabal thing. It's been a long time since I've seen it. However, uh -huh. uh, it was one of my favorite shows as a youngin'. And, yeah, so Charles Band and a lot of other people, uh, Ted Nikolai, or Nikolau, uh, who did the editing in Taurus Trap, was the – make sure I get this right. Oh, he was the editor of um, – why am I bringing oh, – that's that, – wow, the movie that we were talking about tonight, Zone Troopers. Yeah, that one. <laughs> what, what was that movie? Oh, my God. See, you've zoned out even during wow, the podcast. That that's how something. bad this movie – that's it. It should be called Zoned Out Troopers. Yeah, Zoned Out Audience. <laughs> yeah, so it had quite a few people that did other, and David Schmoller, the guy who directed Taurus Trap, he went on to do Puppet Master and Netherworld and uh, other Charles Band-produced classics. Mm. So, But it's uh, a creepy-ass trailer. If you watch a trailer now, it kind of gives away, I think, just visually a 
some elements that I'm assuming are supposed to be creepy, but it's your typical, you know, group of young people traveling on during the summer. They stop off at this creepy roadside museum, decide to go skinny dipping nearby, get trapped there. The proprietor, it could be him, it could not be him, played by Chuck Connors. It, you know, is he the one that's killing them off one by one? But here's the thing. I get this thing about, like, dolls, like ventriloquist dolls, mannequins, yeah. <laughs> any kind of inanimate object that's supposed to represent a life, a human life form, but yeah. it's just got dead-ass eyes. This trailer's <laughs> filled with them, but they do this creepy thing where, like, they laugh and, like, their jaws aren't connected, so they got these huge mouths, and they're like, oh. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> and there's, like, crap flying across the room. And there's it's it's just one of those trailers you're watching going okay I'm gonna have nightmares from the trailer, and uh, <laughs> Stephen King in his book his nonfiction book about horror uh, called Dance Macabre he wrote this back in I think the early eighties like eighty one yeah. maybe I yeah, love that book and I remember that was the first time I heard about Tourist Trap because he wrote about it in that book as being this sort of you know low budget movie he had come across and he was one of the guys that was a big champion of the original Evil Dead and kind of got yeah. it on the map by talking it up and so. It's Tourist Trap, 1979. Like I said, just YouTube the trailer. Creepy as hell. I believe Netflix has it as a DVD. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure you could find it on Amazon, or you know, probably if you went through the Forgotten Book Store, theoretically. Although, no, because it's 79, so technically it won't be there. But you could probably do a search and find it. Yeah, true. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I was reaching on that one. Uh, he's trying. Yeah, he's well, trying. Yeah, no. Yeah. 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 So on that note, Tourist Trap. Jason, uh, any, anything else about the picks before we go into uh, a little promo? And uh, uh, no, but I can say I haven't seen the trailer for Tourist Trap, and I I'm, I do have it on my list to watch. But the poster alone, oh, it's creepy, is, dude! It's freaky as hell. So. Oh, yeah. it's kind of like a wax museum-y kind of vibe to the whole thing, where the killer yeah. like turns them into living mannequins, and just it's creepy. The trailer is creepy yeah. as hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Here we go. This is Kevin Batchelder. And this is the Saturday B Movie Reel. Shoot it! Shoot it! (laughs) (laughs) That's about describes it. All right, everybody stay here. We look specifically at the Sci Fi Channel's original movies. You know the ones. The ones that air on Saturday night. Known throughout the ages as an instant classic. (laughs) We need a bigger gator! Uh, Limb cutting and blood squirting from... (laughs) Flying limbs, I called it in my notes. What could go wrong? We look on a regular basis at the movies as they come out, and since there have been over 200 of them, we do go back and look at many of them that are now out on DVD. By this point, I had completely forgotten any semblance of seeing if this actually makes any sense from a plot point of view. So come on by, get involved, and have some fun. Check us out at SaturdayBMovieReel.com. Our future depends on it. Make it safe. It seemed like that was the appropriate promo to use for for this particular movie. Although I would have to say that this movie wouldn't even make it on on. Sci-fi on one of the oh, Mega Shark well, versus I w- Gatoroid. I, yeah, except for, yeah, I, I will say this: I think that the explosion of the spaceship, since they actually was a true, real, real-to-life explosion, because yeah. for all those show, all those sci-fi movies, they use that freaking CGI it's all that crap, cheap animation. Horrible. Yeah, I'll give it that. Yeah, it this, this definitely horrible. had it on the practical effects. So yeah. Uh, so yes. So Jason, a little feedback. Let's start off yeah. with. I cannot believe it. Maybe we're in the Twilight Zone. It's. Hey, Joel and Jason. It's Yay, Gail. it's Gail. I did a bad thing. I wrongly judged Stone Troopers as being a horror movie after only seeing half of it. Um, and 
that was just wrong. I watched it over two uh, lunch times off of YouTube, and after the first 45 minutes, I was like, he did this movie. And I didn't even want to go back and watch the rest of it. But I did, and surprise, I liked the second half, which changed my whole mind over the whole thing. And so, Stone Troopers, not a great movie, but not as horrid as I first thought. Um, kind of fun, uh, liked the storyline, um, and I learned a lesson. You can't judge a movie until the final credits roll. Anyway, hope you guys are doing well. I will talk to you again. Bye. Well, Gail, that is great, except that Jason and I learned a lesson <laughs> that we didn't need the final credits to roll for this movie to stink for us. However, regardless, thank you so much for calling in. This is yeah. three for you. Wow. Right? Is it three? Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's turning into a habit. I'm, wow. I'm a little scared. <laughs> well, to quote the great Peter Cetera, Jason, you are a hard habit to break. <sighs> so now, Peter. <laughs> Hey guys, it's me. Uh, I'm sorry I'm calling in a little late again, but uh, this time I had to wait till I had watched Stone Troopers because I hadn't seen it before. I had to, well, find it somehow. Not that easy, but I have and I've seen it and I watched it yesterday. And uh, already at the start, I mean, it opens up, it says Stone Troopers and the music is in the mood, that old swing tune. And I did not expect that one, not for this kind of movie anyway. So it uh, it kind of sets the tone from the get-go, right? It, I loved it. It was great. Uh, did, did you notice, uh, well, of course you did, but uh, the theme, uh, well, the other theme, the music in it, uh, that almost... Sounded like the Imperial Mark from Star Wars. <laughs> and full disclosure, I uh, just listened to this voicemail for the uh, first time right now. Not no, all there, but if you know your Star Wars tunes, you 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 recognize it. Yep. And you you probably did. And yeah. Well. Uh, and anything else? Some troopers. I I liked it. And uh, well, anything with Tim Thomerson instantly gets an awesome. The well, world gets awesome. Thank you, Peter, and I. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's hilarious, dude, that you bring that up. Because honestly, full disclosure, that is the I had not had an opportunity to listen to your voicemail. I mean, I knew it was you, and you called in, and I, I yeah, you know, that's why I like to save it so Jason and I are hearing it for the first time together. Because Jason usually doesn't get to hear them until we are recording, mm-hmm. so he's always having to kind of think on the spot what to say. But that's hilarious because it's exactly <laughs> what we thought. Perfect. You know what? That means we're not pulling it out of our ear hole. So, you know. Yes, and we will respectfully – I won't speak for Jason here. I will respectfully disagree with you um, on the loving it piece, but, you know, what? to each his own. And the beauty of all this is it's extremely subjective, um, but for (laughs) me, not so much. But Tim Thomerson is awesome. And now we have Tom, the Zone Trooper fanboy himself. Hey, this is Tom, the fanboy, reporting in. Zone Zone Troopers – is one of those movies I remember seeing on the shelf of the video store, but never really renting. And now I really, really wish I had. Um, this movie would have been right up my alley back then. It, it's a it's a classic sort of like chocolate and peanut butter combination. Warlord, two soldiers, and aliens. You know, what's not to love about that? I think that if they <laughs> well, made the movie today, the movie. <laughs> there would be like a big reveal that the Iron Sarge was an alien. And I actually half expected them that to be doing that <laughs> until, you know, we got more deeper into the movie. Um, it holds well. I, I just watched it for the first time recently, and 
it's it holds up well enough and there's a lot of you know little plot holes and contrivances that you have to deal with you know like the classic you know counting bullets things like that but it, it doesn't take away from the movie it's it's fun it's light enough in tone <laughs> that you don't really notice the those sorts of things so much and you're not supposed to be taking it seriously in the first place so well, that, my, my favorite line is that uh, is, uh, everybody knows there's no life on Venus. He's got to be from Mars. And, and that yeah. still still made me laugh because it was just delivered so perfectly. It's the uh, the cast really knew knew you know how to keep things light and do exactly what they needed to do. Because basically, basically there's, they're all cartoon characters. <laughs> That's pretty much what was going on there. Um, anyway, the the one really odd thing that I took away from the movie was that the soundtrack always seemed to be about one note away from the Imperial March. And I mean, awesome. you're gonna you're gonna sound a little bit like John Williams anytime you use the like the trumpets and the the World War II sort of marches. But I'm really close to the Imperial March through that movie. I kept kept expecting it. Uh, no matter what the tone, uh, the the tone or the scene, so that's the odd thing. Um, so I'm gonna go watch some more of your movies now that you've suggested. I I gotta go listen to Last Dragon before I listen to the podcast tonight, and because uh, I'm doing things in a sort of a funny order here. But uh, this is Tom the fanboy signing off. And, Tom, we did get your Last Dragon voicemail. Full disclosure for actually all of tonight's voicemails. I knew each of you had sent them because I you know, listened to the first 10 seconds, heard your voice, and heard you say who you were. Uh, but we kind of were in a rush to get these things on. And long story short, I actually did not listen to all voicemails in their entirety. So this is freaking awesome that every oh, that single one thus far, except <laughs> for, I know Gail didn't mention it, but I'm sure she noticed that Imperial uh-huh. March aspect. That's Fan freakatastic. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, actually, even even Hammond, who is up next. Oh, did you, was there anything you wanted to say about uh, Tom's before I kind of just jump? No, I, I don't want to totally dismiss his uh, the fact that he liked the movie because oh, no, I, I, I don't. I want to agree with one point with him. I think that if I had seen this as a kid, oh, I, I probably would have had a nostalgia to oh, it. And, and yeah, that was a bigger thing. But. Um, you know, having not seen it as a kid and seeing it now, it, it didn't quite work. And I agree with all it. his points just for whatever reason, and we don't always know why this stuff happens. It just didn't work for me. Now, you know, yeah, I, and I guess maybe it's the just knowing too much about the story structure. And it just it felt off and wrong and like it just wasn't – it just didn't feel well-written enough and I just didn't get something yeah. in the movie. So, um, yeah. But, uh, no, and we, we did get your uh, Last Dragon voicemail, which I listened to, but – it, since this was the Zone Troopers and you had that voicemail as well, we went went ahead and went with that. Um, maybe uh, if you don't call in for next week's, which I think you probably will because it's weird science, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> if you don't, we may go ahead and play a part of it then. So uh, last up, our buddy Hammond. Hey, guys, this is Hammond. I'm calling with playing about The Last Dragon. In the last fight scene, when Shonoff gets the glow, they start playing the uh, hero's theme song. I think that's a poor move. It's the hero's theme song, not the last dragon, or not uh, not the bad guy's theme song. So, uh, other than the badly placed music cue during the last fight, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I can't watch it without quoting and singing along, and kind of embarrassing. But anyway, take care. Thanks for doing that movie. Bye. 
Okay, cut to uh, Tom the fanboy going, but you played his friggin' last dragon voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you gave me two options, Tom. That was your fault. So, uh, uh, no, no, actually, Hammond, embarrassing, is standing in the backyard with your three young children, blasting Meet Me Halfway by Kenny Loggins out of your iPad 2 and singing at the top of your lungs, immediately following that up with um, the old uh, cockroach rap song. Remember that one? Look at all the roaches around me every day. Oh, God. Need something <laughs> strong to make them go away. Yeah, I totally was doing that. So that's embarrassing. What you're yes. talking about, not so embarrassing. Not so bad. No. <laughs> it's all about perspective, my friend. It's all about perspective. Uh, yes. So, Jason, any uh, final comments on the feedback or anything before we mosey on out of this bad boy? Uh, I'd just like to say that similar to Zone Troopers taking war to another dimension, <laughs> Forgotten Flicks takes podcasting to another dimension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that dimension. Same way. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, crap. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Oh, that wasn't where I was going with it. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly where I was going with it. Okay. So, Jason, would you like to hit us with some knowledge? Yes, please give us a call. Uh, the, the phone number is on the post on the website, or you can call us at 206 203 0491. We do love hearing from you, especially about the movies we've got coming up. Um, you can check out the site to see the movies that will be coming up in our future podcasts. Um, and give you time to watch them and call and comment and get in before we record. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, that site is ForgottenFlicks.com. I mm -hmm. am ForgottenFlicks on Twitter. Jason is Flicks Sidekick on Twitter. We have the two Facebook pages, the sort of official uh, Forgotten Flicks page where we put up posts and podcast episodes. And Jason puts up some cool stuff, trailers and other things. And we also have the Forgotten Flicks podcast group page, which... You know, we've got quite a bit of interactive back and forth going on in there from time to time. So uh, mm -hmm. check those out. And, of course, you can always download the podcast in iTunes and leave us a rating or review. We always appreciate that. And, of course, go also go by the site to check out the new beautiful, incredible, wonderful art from our buddy Kevin Spencer at inkspatters.com. And you can find him also on Facebook at The Art of Kevin Spencer. And, um, yes, he did our banner, and, of course, he does always does the show note art. And our buddy JV, can't thank him enough for doing the kick-ass spoiler alerts. And Even though you busted on him for not seeing the movie and doing oh, your I mean, voice you right. Know what? You know what? Yeah, I kind of did that. That was, kinda, that was a dick move. It's sort of like me in the middle of Tom's voice going, asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a given. Anybody's been li listening for more than two or three episodes. Got that memo. Yeah. So, on that note, Jay, any final notes, any final words, any final... Um... Oh, nope, just that um, I cannot wait for our next episode. Oh, um, yeah. We're going we're gonna to have some, some guests. Should, should we say it or tease it, or how do you want to play that? No, I can't tease, because this one I'm just psyched about. But we are doing a, um, Weird Science, which is phenomenal in itself, but we are going to have two podcasting legends who got us started uh, by doing one of the podcasts that we first started listening to, um, Ryan and Jen Ozawa from the Transmission Podcast. Which, of course, uh, they're, yeah, they're pop spotting now. And they do, yes, and I was getting to that. And now they do uh, pop spotting, and they, they had us each on individually. But they are coming to Forgotten Flicks, and that just freaks me out. That is just so awesome. Yeah, I, we're going to sound like idiots. We are. We are. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. 
Okay, it would be status quo. It would be like the oh, year. So it's normal episode. Yeah, so, all right, we're good. We're good. Yes, I'm right, I'm good. yes, and I am a little nervous, though, not just because of having them on the show, but because it's Weird Science, which was one of my all-time childhood favorite movies, and I have yet – I have the CD – the CD. Oh, my God. I have the DVD <laughs> sitting there on my desk waiting to be watched. Dude, I'm nervous. If it doesn't hold oh. up, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to cry, man. That movie's got to hold up or I'm going to cry. Uh, I know. I'm I'm fearful, but all right. We'll I... see. We'll see. We'll play it by ear. All right. That's all right. That's okay. All so join all us right. next week when it's Weird Science and Ryan and Jen from Pop Spotting. I would like to point out, 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 I would